Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening, I am Miles B. McLaughlin. M. Oh, sorry, my mom just buzzed me. I'm sorry. <laughs> mom trumps everything. Mom's always come first. Hi, I'm M. Sierra Garcia, where the M stands for Mama's Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. We are with us a very special returning guest after, I think, probably a couple years. Dayton, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always and, good. And that oh, is gosh. the Dayton Ward, mind Shame. you. Want some interesting reading? Go to DaytonWard.com. He's on every wall and every post office in here. That's right, right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but, but tonight we are talking, we're talking Rogue One and things associated with Rogue One. That's kind of the, the premise of what we're talking about here. And uh, we've all seen the movie. So if you have not seen the movie and are tuning in, yeah, well, if what you don't care. What is wrong with you? I know, first of all. <laughs> and secondly, uh, we're going to spoil the heck out of it. So Most, cheers. I've already seen it three times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I only saw it once. Miles, I think you're a one time. Just, right? just once, but I, yeah. I want to see it before it leaves the Dayton, how about you? I've seen it twice. Oh, well, there you go. I saw it once on opening night, uh, and I was—I claimed that I was doing my parental due diligence to make sure that it was suitable for my children. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then that. we for Christmas. So. Uh, nice, <laughs> nice. Nice. So uh, we could take this any uh, direction, but I think maybe what, the way we should start is probably talking a little bit about the passing of, you know, one of our icons here. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher passed a few days ago, and depending on when you're listening to this, and that's obviously a huge impact in the Star Wars community. Yeah, we lost uh, Carrie Fisher uh, yesterday. We're recording this on December 28th. It would have been December. Hello? Yeah. And we still got you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I... I, I dropped, but clearly you didn't miss me because you continued the conversation. Yeah, well, you know, that's it. <laughs> that, that's, that happened. Uh, bitter, that... party of one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny that you say that because last, last week we were recording like the reflection back in 2016 because we thought that all the important events were done by then. Um, oh, God. Oh, God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then you would drop and we would turn to you in the conversation and M wouldn't be there. And we were like, where's M? And we have to, like, reconnect her back into the conversation. I'm having some internet issues. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm back. No, we were just talking about, you know, Carrie Fisher and, and the impact that's had on the community. And, you know, obviously, well, we're really excited about Rogue One. We have this other thing that's also kind of a part of it that's a bit of a sadness for us. I, I can't even explain to you just the level of emotion. And it I, I don't know this woman. You know, but I've read her books and I have very, very vivid, distinct memories of watching her on the screen. And she wasn't some blonde bimbo who needed saving. And she was, she, you know, she was just kind of, she took charge. And then in her subsequent films, um, I always just felt like she's, she was like the beginning of 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 every badass woman char female character aside from Barbarella but that was so that was overly sexualized and she had some badassness to her but Princess Leia was really the catalyst for a lot of the heroines we see today and personally I I I was at work and I, I just started crying and I, I I can I can get choked up about it right now. As the woman on the panel today, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I was still I was broken hearted when I heard. I mean, 
I mean, I, I was thinking, okay, she had, we found out she had a bad heart attack a few days before. Thinking, okay, she could, might still be able to pull, you know, might, might pull through this, but uh, unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Any thoughts, Dayton? Yeah, I was the same way. I mean, I was uh, when she had the heart attack, or when they reported the heart attack back on was it Friday? Yeah, Friday yeah. afternoon. And then they told you know they were saying that uh, she had been unconscious or without a heartbeat for ten minutes, almost fifteen minutes, and uh, you know back experience unfortunately started telling me that this was not going to end well. Um, and I and I have to wonder you know what her condition was when they finally moved her to a room or wherever they moved her to ICU. I think it was. I just unfortunately I've seen enough of that to understand that that was not going to end well. So yeah. I was already kind of set you know, emotionally, like, well, we're going to lose another one. Yeah. Because um, it's been, you know, it's not the year that's responsible, obviously, but it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> uh, had a lot of childhood. Oh, heroes. no, I, I blame yeah. 2016. Those yeah. those numbers in that order specifically yeah. for all of the all might, this poop. Yeah. I thought we might slip past, you know, this last week and have no events. And then all of a sudden, you know, 2016 comes along. It's like, well, here, hold my beer. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I, I mean, not to make light of it, but it's no. just like it's been an insane year for for folks of our generation because we've just lost so many childhood heroes. I mean, yeah. the magic is gone, but a lot of the magicians mm-hmm. have left. And so uh, somebody said that earlier today and it stuck with me. Hmm. That's um, a gorgeous way to see that. Yeah. But, you know, and it's it's you know, it's it's going to get worse before, you know, because all those people from the shows we grew up with and the films we watched as we were kids are, are, are getting to that point in their lives. So, right. well, yeah, and that's why I was just going to, that's what I was thinking too, as you were talking, Dayton, that, you know, it's a bad year, but the, the people that we watched and we loved, we yeah. admired on the screen, these are the people that, I mean, uh, they aren't, they aren't immortal, despite the fact that yeah. they, in, in, in some ways, they appear that way in our minds as we view the movies and we, we go back and we watch them, but you know, the, yeah. We haven't been gifted with immortality yet, so not yet. Not yet but so. you know, with all that said, she was only sixty, which is not that, that in is today's true. day and yeah. age. Not that old. I mean, no. I'm, sorry, I'm going to be fifty this coming year, so sixty's not that old. <laughs> um, um, you know, that's and you know, and then right on top of her, uh, you know, right, right, right after her goes George Michael, who was only fifty-three. Right. And it was like, okay, this is starting to get unsettling at this point i mean i understand yeah. someone who dies at 95 or 96 and they had a very long productive fruitful happy life that's that also happens, of, but... of of uh of heart failure yes in his of sleep. Heart failure and you're like okay that's that's a little crazy because that's not too far away from me i'm like all right so now i'm gonna get my heart checked and and start running more i guess <laughs> but you know, six, a little less yeah. red meat plus i was not aware of any health issues that she had had in the past i mean i knew she had mental health issues but nothing physical so this was kind of a shock uh, i wonder if the just the the wear and tear of drug addiction and 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 alcohol addictions if that because it can have it can take a toll well that Um, she was traveling a lot she was traveling a lot for conventions and she was back in the saddle again for star wars so there was that's demanding on your schedule Right. And, yeah. you know, particularly when they want to do all the craziness that goes with it nowadays where everything's a big secret and everything's hush hush and you have to run around the world doing press junkets. Right. You know, you don't live, you don't, you don't have a normal stress free life doing that. Right. So, she, uh, she joked a couple of, when they, when they came to her and told her what they were doing, 
She said, well, they're paying me to lose a lot of weight really fast. So, <laughs> yeah. and that actually can have a, a could have an effect, an effect yeah. on your heart as well. If you drop too much weight too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, hopefully that was far enough in the past that that was not a contributing factor. I mean, no. I, I don't think we'll ever know, but no, um, it's just a shame because I don't I don't really consider sixty to be that old at least not today no, by today's I've made by today's right. standards. So, <clears throat> I mean, you see somebody like William Shatner who's eighty five this year and he's running around like a guy half his age. And oh yeah, you're thinking no. that dude's gonna live, if anybody's gonna live forever, it's him and Keith Richards, <laughs> yeah. right? Definitely. And maybe Betty White. Yeah, and, uh, and Betty White. Oh, so. oh, don't. Say I know, right? Don't no, they're all gonna it. live forever. I mean, somewhere Betty White and Keith Richards are duking it out for the prize, the gathering, the Highlanders of all. <laughs> so it's not you know and again the humor is my way of dealing with it but. no no oh, and I hear, I hear that and it's good so, to kind of laugh and chuckle through it yeah you know? i mean it's not like i broke down or i'm, I'm devastated i mean i'm devastated in, in a, to a degree it's like yeah part of my childhood is now gone but i've been right. dealing with this now for the last 10 or 15 years it seems like yeah right. so yeah i think i'm kind of numb to it at this point <laughs> yeah oh, very true well, let's uh, let's move on from Carrie Fisher. We had we had to kind of acknowledge this, and let's move into the the movie itself. And uh, one of the things I want to do eventually is bringing in my son to talk about it. So, do we want to do that kind of up front and then talk about it a little bit more, or do you want me to bring him in? Sure. Later? It's your show, man. All right. I'm, a, I'm just I'm a guest in your house. You Let me go get my son. What's up, and little this... buddy? Does he have his head- headphones on yet? Not yet. Yeah, We're... I realize. I realized when I invited him up that I didn't actually uh, prepare headphones for him, so we're going to share. Say, oh, say way your... to set him up for failure, Dad. <laughs> yeah, I'm a terrible, terrible tech exactly. guy. <laughs> Tell him you're listening to WKRP. You you stay back. You don't need all day. In Cincinnati. <laughs> all right, bud. Well, hey, with us is Kiefer. Say hi to everyone, Kiefer. Hi, everybody. Hi, with... Kiefer. Hi, Kiefer. So that's M. And then the other man's voice you hear is Dayton. Say hi to Dayton. Hey, Dayton. Hi, Kiefer. So he, he Sound wrote, a little bit like Miles. Yeah, Miles is over there. You see Miles. Uh, and Day- Dayton writes books for a living. Like Star novels. Trek, am I right? Yeah, Star Trek. That's right. Good. So, among other novels and stories as well. So, uh, Kiefer, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you thought of Rogue One? You know it was about? just sad. It was, I, it was probably the saddest Star Wars movie movie ever and also the saddest movie I've ever seen like because literally everybody dies main character dies main character's best friend dies main character's lover dies main char- character's friend friend dies it's just so sad sad and my favorite character in the entire thing was will probably be the robot because the robot um I forget his name the robot is um such a good character he's just so funny my favorite part is just when he says, he's like, don't worry, I'll be there for you, to Jen. And then, and then he's like, because Kathy told me to. And then <laughs> the part's just, like, really funny. And when, like, just when everybody is just converging and stuff, in the end, when Princess Leah is receiving the plans, that's exactly where New Hope starts. That's literally the ship you see being pulled away by the tractor beam, and then that's where it ends, and then that's where the a new hope literally starts. It starts with the ship pulling out of the tractor beam, and then being pulled back into the tractor beam, and then Princess Leia sending the plans from the R two unit, otherwise known as R two D two. 
So, guys, do you have any uh, questions <laughs> for Kiefer about his thoughts on the movie? I was going to ask, did you have a hard time following the storyline, or was it pretty easy to follow? It was a little... Well, it was pretty easy to follow, except that... Well, one of the things... It was kind of hard to follow, too, because in the part where they're trying to get the plans from the deaths... From not... Yeah, from the um, planet... I forget the planet's name. I, why do I always forget things like this? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, um... Me too. So. Good job. <laughs> and so, um... And the part where they're trying to get the plans from the planet, they, um... The robot tells him the instructions while he's about to die, and then he says goodbye at the very end when he's about to die. You and found that confusing? No, and I found that really sad, but also sort of confusing, because when he's telling the plans in, I'm like, I can't even understand him. He was like, I, I just didn't know what to think. Okay. Any more questions? <laughs> <laughs> so, I you and your dad watched A New Hope today, right? Yeah. Did you find any similarities, things that you saw in Rogue One that kind of reminded you, or things that you saw in New Hope that reminded you of Rogue One or, or couple, the other? couple, actually. Two. What'd you like find? What? Two, in fact. Like what? See, in, um, there was Chewbacca, apparently, in the Rogue One movie that my dad saw, and then and we, there was Chewbacca in New Hope, obviously, and, uh, <laughs> and um, then, then in the New Hope, in Rogue One, you see, um, C-3PO and R2-D2 standing side by side and saying, and C-3PO saying, oh, I hope this ends soon, in like weird voice. And, and <laughs> then um, you see him, but while that's happening, happening, it's just up there for like five seconds rolling. And then in the new hope, you see that again, but for um, when they're on the Death Star and Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth are and Obi-Wan and De Darth are um, battling. I'm sorry, I just had to abbreviate it there. Okay. Any other questions? <laughs> well, I, I have not watched, I did not come home and watch A New Hope after seeing Rogue One. So, for those of you that have, how do the two films marry up together? <clears throat> is it pretty seamless, or is there like a real jolt? Does one seem like it doesn't fit with the other, or? Pretty close. It was, pretty close? It, yeah. It was just, it was just, they both fit with each other perfectly. It was like a puzzle piece yeah. adding to another puzzle piece. Yeah, you and kind of even, even yeah. um, I have some connection with you from The Force Awakens from it. See, Jin <laughs> and Rey are literally I'm... played by the same actor. <laughs> yeah, she's, and they have the he's same playing, voice, He's too. playing into the Jin and Rey connection. Yeah. The Jin and Ray connection. Doesn't they work. have different See? accents, bud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I thought they had two, two same accents. Yeah. The I mean, I know. He actually thought they were the same actor playing them. Oh, really? Um, but I think it, um, I think if you don't watch Force Awakens for a while and you have another young female protagonist, long hair, I think that's where it blends in a little bit for them. They obviously, you put them side by side, they look different. But um, I think I mean, it's just a, similar temperaments. But yes, and I think Jin maybe that has a South African accent, and um, Ray has a British accent. And none of those well, worlds I, exist in Star Wars, by the way. Just saying. I know, but they still <laughs> have the same. I thought they had the same accent because, no. well, apparently British and African are the same thing. <laughs> well, not really. Not really. <laughs> yeah. 
<coughs> when you're older, bud, we'll have the conversation about phonetics. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but okay. Miles, oh, any questions okay. for Kiefer okay. before I let him go? Do you have a favorite part in the movie? Yes, my favorite part was, well, I had technically three favorite parts. Number one, when he's when the robot says to uh, Jin, um, I'll be, don't worry, I'll be there for you because Cassie told me to. Yep. That gets me every single time. It's so funny. And um, the other part is when the robot dies. It's so sad. He's literally telling the instructions into the robot thingy while he's dying. So your favorite character was the robot. Yeah, the robot. And then my third favorite was when the um, Jin and Ca- and Cassie are hugging, hugging, just as the planet like explodes. It's just like mm. so, it's just like looks so good. It's just like and they're just like standing there like this, just hugging each other. And it's just like. And then, and then they're still doing it, and then they're just like, dead. Mm-hmm. Dead. Dead. Whatever. Yeah. Oh my god, little dude, you're the cutest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Alright, well hey, I'm gonna say goodbye to everyone. Bye everybody. Um, Night, Pumpkin. Bye, Enjoy the rest of the show. Alright, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Hey, everyone. thanks everybody. Be sure to tip your waiters and waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, that, good night. Yeah. Well, you know, it, he does bring up um, he does bring up one of the the uh, an interesting fan theory that initially was out there between Jin and Ray, which I think I mean, Jin's young. I mean, how old is Jin when we see this movie? Twenty one, twenty two. Maybe. Yeah. I guess it's possible that she had some offspring, but none of that's ever hinted at in this. No, so. that's no, yeah, yeah. No. So I kind of just. I, I I love a good thread. I love a good spin on something. But dude, that yeah. is a fine piece of silk. Yeah, trying to there. <laughs> you know, and he brings up something else. You know, and this is a thing that I think captures kids the first time they see a new hope. It's the droids, you know. And you saw Kiefer when he was talking about it. He focused on, you know. You know, you know Alan Tudyk and his and his mm-hmm. and the, you know his his great voice work with his robot and the comedic relief in the in the event of a very serious movie. Well, I would like to know. I I'm sorry, but some of those things, the some of the lines, some of that had to have been Alan because he's oh, yeah. such a good. He's so prolific <laughs> with the ad lib. He's unbelievable. There are just some moments that are particularly very Alan Tudyk. Or Tudic, and just uh, you know that they put the motion capture on him because some of his mannerisms and the way he holds his head, <coughs> he's so talented. But he, uh, yeah. I didn't expect the robot to be so central. But then I remembered it's Star Wars. There's always that one. Yeah, there's always a droid. There is always the one, <laughs> the one droid hero that you, not as adorable as BB-8, but you know you still want to hug him. <laughs> I'm willing to bet all the money in my pockets that they had him read the dialogue as scripted and then said, okay, we've got that. Now respond to it four or five different ways, whatever, and mm-hmm. let him go. Because they know he can improv. He, they know he's good at that sort of thing. So I have no doubt that the director or the voice actor or the voice coach or whoever helped him with his dialogue told him to just go. And then they picked out the one they thought was was best, you know. Right. Somewhere well, there's is... a reel with him just doing that <laughs> off the cuff. So on SlashFilm.com, they did an interview with him about the character. And this is what he says. They asked him how much was on the page, how much was you finding the character. 
And he said, I honestly think half my lines were made up. At least I'm so surprised well, he go. gave me okay. so much freedom. I can't believe it, especially in a series that's so revered. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they had it scripted, but you know, when you get a, when you get somebody like that, you you let them run with what works. For right. Them. Yeah. So you don't waste a talent like that. Excuse yeah. me, sir, Alan McKellen. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. Exactly. Don't you just Ian sit McKellen. down? Yeah. By the way, I know you think Gandalf is this, but my two and a half years just out of film school, let me tell you how it should be. You're right. Yeah. Well, no, and and he did, and again, it's one of the one one of the uh, I think lovable characters about Rogue is is this robot. It's just a, and he does a phenomenal job portraying. He's he's actually one of the most interesting characters in the film. Oh (laughs) yes. I mean, I mean, I no, I mean, it's. This movie is a throwback to war films from the 50s and the 60s where you don't know anything about the characters except their name and some quirk. And, you know, it's it's about the mission or the, you know, the, the storyline. It has we could you're never going to learn anything about these characters except one little cool piece of info before they die, you know. And it's a throwback to movies like The Dirty Dozen or The Guns <clears throat> of Navarone where you don't oh, ever learn yes. anything like that. You know, it's not about the characters, at least not getting into their heads and, and what makes them tick. It's just, it's just enough to drive the story forward. And that's not a bad thing. That's just, you know, it's, this is a very stripped-down, streamlined movie in terms of characterization. You're, and you're talking in general for Rogue One, that's the way it felt. Yeah, yeah, yeah in general. I mean, I'm not, it's, it's not really a knock. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely a, a plot-driven story. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's, and, and, you know, that's, it's a different kind of Star Wars story, which was the intent. I mean, right. uh, they definitely wanted to do something to set apart from the main episodes. I mean, this is the most expensive, most lavishly produced, very polished Star Wars fan film ever. I mean, <laughs> the, <coughs> the Star Wars on the beach just made me giggle because I was, <laughs> I, they've been in so many different environments and to see this like, oh, welcome to the Bahamas or Aruba mm-hmm. in the sky. It, it, and they're, and they're, and everywhere they seem to go there, there's always a uniform that matches that environment. <laughs> But yep. for some reason, like we didn't see the stormtroopers in like board shorts. <laughs> no beach, no beach troopers this time. No. Right, like they yeah. weren't they weren't beach troopers. They didn't have the the sand gear or the like. Every there's always a uniform for something. And but I'll, for yeah. some reason, they like Tommy Bahama couldn't get signed on <laughs> to design the Empire's new clothes. Panama Jack could not be. Right. Oh, <laughs> um, I was what, waiting though. to see like some teeny tiny little critter playing an ukulele somewhere. <laughs> if I take my kids on another Disney cruise and we get to the little island that Disney has in the Bahamas and there aren't walkers standing <gasps> on the beaches, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh yes, a thousand times yes. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right, Make Disney, get so. on that. Yeah. Get right on that, Disney. Because we know you're listening. I will say this, that the walkers on the beach were pretty terrifying. Like oh, when yeah. When they're coming after him, like, you know, the walkers in when the first, when you first see them in the Empire Strikes Back, they're, they're, they're pretty menacing. But, but on the beach, just crushing the vegetation, the, the way they filmed well, yeah. the feet coming the down, way, I was like, I think it was crap. the cinematography because of all the sand and schmuck, like the, the stuff that was getting kicked up in the air, mm-hmm. you heard them before you saw them. And you really weren't sure what was happening, and then all you saw was the foot like start heading, and the arm, the leg bend, and those ATATs were just 
unbelievable. They just seemed even more menacing on the beach than than anywhere else we've seen them. Well, and you saw the reactions of the uh, of the one Jedi and his mercenary with him, right? Um, and you know his their expressions are wickedly you know terrified and you know and so you kind of play into that I think a little bit. I, I do have a question though. So you know these uh, you know the walkers on the beach. You know that's kind of a pretty swampy situation. Think how much weight those things carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but is look at how the list? foot's designed. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess. I it's, guess. It's, yeah. Maybe it distributes the uh, weight. Yeah. Weren't they even walking in shallow water in a couple of scenes? I don't remember. Yeah, was, I thought there was a couple that were standing there. and it, What would be shallow for them? I mean, you yeah. know, maybe not right. for, for a guy. but At any um, given time, there's always three feet on the ground for that thing. Right. It's yeah. one of the weirdest yet coolest designs i mean it, it, you, you look at it you think that's so impractical like i just take out a leg and it's over but yeah. you know um i think i think that's the menace part, yeah i know it's like yeah but i mean in empire when you see them for the first time they're at a distance i mean the rebels they're they're slowly making their way across that ice plane there and it, it takes them several minutes to get there right. versus them being right up in everybody's grill really fast that's uh, true here uh, but I think that goes back to what what Emma was saying about the cinematography. It was just it was edited and shot in such a way that you, know, you we know what it is. It's the foot and the leg stretching up out of the camera, and you're like, okay, this is about to get crazy. <laughs> and there's nowhere for these guys to run, you know. <clears throat> yeah, no, very, 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 very true. But that was a uh, you know that is pretty crazy, anyways. But I I have to overall. Even the bad guys, I felt I felt something for every character, every single one of them, which, you know, that that is to me reminiscent of the the original three movies that you you got to you got just enough information to get to know and and develop an opinion on whether you love them or you hate them. And then if you hate them, you love to hate them. Right. It's it's just amazing. And. Every time a new face or an old face would pop up, when Jimmy Smits popped up, I squealed. <laughs> and I, I smacked my buddy on the arm. I was like, oh, my God, do you know who that is? And we were in a theater full of norms, and nobody else got it. They're like, oh, my God. And so afterwards, like, who was that guy? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, then, and then they did stuff like they brought in uh, Forrest Whitaker as um, – Saw Guerrero, you know, from mm. from the Clone Wars cartoon of all mm-hmm. places, right? And so I'm just like, all right, that's cool. I mean, and and but they did it in such a way that if you've never seen the cartoon, or if you're a norm, as M puts it, you're not lost. I mean, it's, it's just a, he just he just happens to be an extremist rebel guy that people have talked about over the years. But everybody in the room who saw Clone Wars was all like, Squee! look at what they did, look what they did. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah it was fun. It was those little nods to continuity were there were a lot of Easter eggs. In this movie. It was yeah. insane the number of you in fact only on the second viewing did i catch half of the ones i missed the first time oh no doubt no doubt well and, and i heard there were always there's also there's also references to um uh rebels in this movie as well um and especially I, th- I think that comes up in the um oh i just had this up here um, there's a, there's supposedly the ghost, the ship from Rebels is supposedly among the, the fleet yes, that the attacks. Yes, so. the ghost is there, and also General Sindula is supposedly a reference is, is referenced and is a reference to um, Hera Sindula, the Star Rebels. Okay, cool. So, 
And it's also supposedly there's an Easter egg, so. But, but obviously the uh, pig nose guy or the guy that they uh, run into in. in oh yeah. yeah, and the dude with the tusks. Yeah. So they. So good. That was just a neat little throwback. <laughs> you just watch yourself. <laughs> everybody, everybody in the theater laughed at that one. Yeah. We're wanted <laughs> men. <laughs> We've got the, the death dis- sentence on twelve <laughs> systems. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. You know, I, I think that the, the the planet Jetta was an interesting planet to kind of have on. And obviously, the association between Jetta and the Jedi, and as being an origin planet for the Jedi, is kind of speculated. Um, is it the origin planet, or was did it just happen to be the place where like all of the Kyber crystals were were created, and they decided, oh, well, this is what we need. Let's just make this. You know our our um, our Duomo. Well, our, the uh, I think the statues are the statues on that planet that are the fallen Jedi are supposed yeah. to give us hints of that. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily the origin, but it is supposed to be connected to the uh, the guardians of the wills, and mm. the wills are something that go back to the earliest uh, oh, yeah. conceptions Our- of Star Wars with Lucas. I mean. The he's the entire Star, Skywalker story is being told, like the episode one, two, and three, and four are all told from the Journal of the Wills, mm-hmm. um, supposedly, and it's a reference to the earliest days of Lucas creations. And the Wills were these creatures that have this uh, undying force connection that is surpassing. Are they the midichlorians? So this is pre midichlorian. I, I, I didn't I didn't mention that. <laughs> you, you're the one that mentioned midichlorians. Just for I know because it's the stupidest thing in the world. Why'd you mention it? Because it makes me laugh. No. <laughs> I just kidding. brought the whole podcast to a grinding halt. Yeah, but now, uh, Dayton, if you want to leave now, you can. I'm just kidding. Yeah. We're resetting. We're resetting the podcast right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> Don't mention Medichlorians again. Um, but no, so I thought that that was kind of fascinating, too. But and So, yeah, go ahead. Well, the movie resurrected some people. Um that that were that we saw in uh, New Hope. I mean, the most obvious one is is Grand Moff Tarkin, um, which is using that character has created. You know, I don't know if it was controversy, but a lot of conversation whether whether that should have been done or not. Um, so you couldn't you you couldn't make the movie about the Death Star without him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't do it without him. And they did a really good job in finding Guy Henry, who had the stature and mostly kind of the face that really worked well so that when they did all the plotting stuff on his face, that it would match up well. And he could do he could do the voice really well. I, and he's an amazing actor in and of himself as well. So to take on, to, re, to, to reanimate, no pun intended, um, Governor Tarkin was... I, you couldn't do it without him, and I think they did a, a really amazing job. And from what I've been reading, um, it's not something that they plan on using a lot or that much ever again because it was just they they, they it, it it's a fine line. It's a very fine line yeah. of need or um, sh- spiel or shtick, and they put him in as much as they needed to put him in. My understanding is that they had the approval of uh, his family or estate, yes. uh, whichever one. And then mm-hmm. I was actually surprised by how much they used him. 
in the mm-hmm. film without count, you know, like without couching him in shadow or without giving us a side view. I mean, they went whole hog and gave us several scenes where we're looking straight at him. And there's only a couple of instances where it really doesn't work. I mean, mm. for the most part, it, it, I don't know that it ever works perfectly all the time, but it definitely works more often than it doesn't. And I mean, it's it's an impressive feat. It's probably, and I imagine the reason one of the reasons they won't rely on it so much, at least for the near future, is it's very expensive and time consuming to do that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you want you're not going to see this on TV because just the production budget on a regular TV show would never allow for something like this. But <laughs> yeah, um, Star Wars, of course, is a, pretty much a blank check. Star Wars. They know you're printing money even after. This is Disney for crying out loud. You know, so, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's true, Dayton. I think most times it works. There are some times that if you look closely enough, you're saying, well, this is obviously a CGI character. Yeah, the eyes are usually the giveaway. I mean, it's because uh, yeah. you just, for whatever reason, you cannot duplicate for lack of a better term, the life in someone's eyes. It's, uh, it's hard mm. to, to do that. I mean, um, but I mean, it's 95% there, and I was impressed with how bold they decided to go with it. They said, you know, we're going to do this. Let's do it whole hog. Yeah. And it's like it's like M says, you can't tell a story about the creation of the Death Star without Tarkin. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. That would yeah. be such a, a such a, a cheat. Uh, yeah. So I was impressed. The first time I saw it when he came out, and I, I have to admit, I walked into it not knowing how they were going to do that. And so I was floored when I saw him the first time. I just, I was like, I almost went, fuck you, my son, you know, yelled really loud up there, because everybody in the theater was just excited by it. They're like, oh, you could hear the audible gasps from the audience that, that you know, who didn't know that, that this was going to happen. Um, I know, I, I knew that they were going to do something with him. Right. But I figured that they were going to do a lot of, a lot of prosthetics. But... I thought they would do like they did with episode three, where you see a guy who kind of looks like a younger Peter Cushing just for a few minutes and then he, or a few seconds and he's in and out. Right, and they concentrate on because you know they, all the advertised materials show you the other guy, Krennic, um, and and then the and the guy that and and and, and Jin's dad. So I figured they're going to concentrate on these two, and Karkin will play in this in the in the shadows a little bit. Uh, it was impressive. I mean, it's it's way better than what they did with Jeff Bridges or you know Jeff Bridges and Tron a few years back. A true. Uh, oh right. Definitely an improvement on that technology. I, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with in five or six more years. Well, that's what I was thinking. I mean, you know. Um, you made the comment that eh, they aren't going to rely on this too much, you know, too much in the future. But uh, on the other side, if we want to, if we do want to see stories in this universe that maybe tell backstories to some of these characters, mm-hmm. um, this is a this is a way to it's keep cool. this. It is a way to keep this universe alive and fresh, and perhaps provide a continue con, a continuality to this universe that. Maybe as technology is gr- grows, we don't have to rely on getting totally new faces to play the characters. Well, I mean, it's definitely helpful when you want to de-age a character like they did with Michael Douglas um, in, in Ant-Man. Uh, Ant-Man, which was a pretty impressive piece yeah. of, of CGI. Yeah. So, I mean, so it gives you flexibility because you have the actor, you know, that 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 created that role, and you can use him. You can use that person, that that man or that woman in that role in a you know in a younger setting. So I mean, I, it opens up all kinds of storytelling possibilities. Um, I, it can. I, I just hope they don't go hog wild with it like they tend to do. It's like, well, this works. So let's do it in everything. Now. Yeah. Um, so in the in the article I read, um, they're trying to. They don't want to use it as a device. They're trying right. to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah, because then it becomes about the gimmick and not right. the story right or, which is, so 
Like yeah. the guy that they cast to play Han Solo in the yet to be named Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. they're 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 not really gonna do much except like give him the scar on his chin and right. change his hair color. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's, they've done other things with other actors. Like there was a science fiction movie that came out a few years ago called Looper. I don't know if anybody. Oh saw yeah, that. I saw it. Yeah, yeah I saw Looper. Uh, it was Bruce Willis and I can never remember the guy's Gene name. Oh, Gordon Levitt. Yeah, guy. Gordon Levitt. Yeah, yeah, him. And he plays the younger version of Bruce Willis's character. And they gave him a prosthetic nose to make him look more like Bruce Willis. Mm. And that was the extent. Of, and then, of course, you know, he used facial expressions and he did voice coaching to give him any any practice Willis's mannerisms. So he acted his way into that role and with a minimum of, of alteration of his face, but they did it with prosthetics and not CGI. So so he um, not only acted to be the, he acted like Bruce Willis acting as the character. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so that guy, that guy gets props for the He's... extra level of work and effort. Involved oh, in I love that dude. Ever yeah. since third rock from the sun. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, in fact, amazing. they were, we were talking about because they want to do a diehard movie and they want to make a, a framing story with Bruce Willis in the framing sequence. And then they tell a story from when he's a younger cop. And I'm like, well, then you got to get that guy because he's already <laughs> done a Bruce Willis character once already. He's perfect. How meta would that be? So, um, yeah, it'll be, I, like I said, I hope they don't re- come to rely on it as just a, you know, uh, a, an easy way to do something and, and yet, and cheat us out of a story or something, uh, or, you know, do it at the expense of story. I have a flash memory. Something just popped into my head that I remember made me laugh every time I saw it. And I was in two of the three theaters I saw it in. It was pretty quiet until that line happened because I knew that those those were my people sitting in there. When it's Jen and Cassian, Cassian, Cassim? Cassian. Cassian and K2 were in the elevator and the door's closing. And K2 starts to say... Oh, I got a bad feeling and Kessim <laughs> stops him. I was just, that was like a big high five to me. I felt like that was this, the most wonderful thing. It's, <laughs> is it, is it, it's in the, the good three movies and it's in, I think it's in all of them. Force Awakens. Them. Is it in the, the crappy movies too? Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's in them. It's in all of it. It's, it's like the line. It's, it's like waiting for the Hitchcock cameo. You know, yeah. you gotta, wait, who's going to say it in this movie? Right. Right. Well, and also the Wilhelm scream, which appears in every single one. Yeah, that was in there. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wilhelm scream again. There were, but there were so many call. I mean, even the little stuff like the, the, the imprint on the data card that they stick the plans on and then run it off through the ship to hand off. I just happened to catch a sequence with, you know, because they were doing a Carrie Fisher tribute on the news, and and they show the scene where she's inserting the data card into R two D two. I swear to God, it's the same thing. It's the same exact prop. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No. No, I I just feel like they sat down and watched A New Hope over and over and over again to make sure that they got the feeling right, that yep. they got the the costuming right, that they got the look right, that that the the technology was correct. Like every time the Death Star was shot, like it wasn't it wasn't overly done cuz I feel like the first 3 movies were over technologized. Um oh, and then yeah. there seemed to be this recession of technology where everyone went back to AB switches and I then caught it improved. That. I caught that when, like, during the dogfights and you see the TIE fighter trying to hone in on the X-Wing. And yes. he's looking at his little targeting scanner and the little red X-Wing is dancing oh, around the target. Yes. And I'm like, that's right out of the first movie. It's, I mean, all of it. All They really, this, I, I, I again, I really, the 
best thing Lucas ever did for this franchise was to sell it <laughs> and to give it to people who know how to take a piece of entertainment and and acknowledge the people who love the franchise and respect that and give something new so that the next generation can 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 be a part of it as well it just it disney should have had their hands in this a long time ago but <laughs> i felt the same way about the way they set it up and the way they, they did the production design i felt the same way about this the, that i did when i watched them do the tribbles episode on DS9 oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. the Mirror Universe episodes and Enterprise oh, yeah. where they had to recreate the original series sets. And there's all that. It was tactile switches and controls and, and, the, and the, the 60s design aesthetic that they recreated it's almost flawlessly in those two. Uh, and they did that on a TV budget and schedule. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, uh, so I'm just... You can tell that the people working on this film were diehard, long-time fans and just wanted to do every little thing right. Oh, yeah. Even Gavin Bass looked like oh, from, from from the first know. from from A New Hope. I mean, there was I mean it was like they just got the sets out, dusted them off, and you know ready to go. I mean, for the most part, it was it, it was insane. Yeah, it was. It was very e- even the graphics. We talked about the graphics uh, on the Tie Fighter. I mean, it looked like they were using the same kind of '70s computer graphics in the, yeah. in, in the base I mean, even too. The, when they're when they're offloading the plans and you see like the technical schematic of the Death Star and it's oh, like, yeah. it's that same hokey image that they used you know during the briefing in Star in part in, in the original Star Wars mm-hmm. film you know where they're talking <laughs> about the the attack run it's the same cheesy computer graphic thing with the with the the Death Star you know in wireframe rotating and stuff and you're like they could have they could have easily done something that looked cooler kitschier or you know more you know lots of bling and lots of bells and whistles but no they kept to the original piece of blueprint that they that we had always seen and, and remembered mm-hmm. yeah when it, so. and it, it makes it makes it a it makes it keeps a continuality of between the movies alive and that's what's beautiful yeah about uh, it. that's why i asked the question uh, uh to keeper earlier is you know how did he feel the two merit the two films uh married up to each other because i did not come home and watch uh, episode four but you know i know it like the back of my hand yeah and all i could think of was uh, aside from they got a little bit fancy with some of the ship maneuvering at the very end you know they did things that that you would not have been able to do with a physical model in 1970 right like the hammerhead yeah that move was amazing that move was cool but i mean like when the when 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 the blockade runner detaches and and makes its getaway right i'm like they wouldn't have been able to pull that off you wouldn't we know but aside from that, I'm good with it. It was it was fun. So, did anybody who died on the planet beforehand say that they were a Bothan? No, <laughs> no. And, and, and actually, Miles and I were talking about that line earlier. I have misquoted that line for years. That line Many is Bothans that line is not in New Hope. No, it's for Jedi. It's from Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and it's the plans for the new Death Star. How they that's a it's a totally different Death Star. It's a totally different spy network. Oh, I always thought it was from that first one. Well, me one. too, and I quoted it from there in the last episode, and I, I'm eating my humble pie. It's not even in New Hope. Of course. That's, I'm, ditto. I make a mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's funny is, you know, the Rogue One does a spectacular job of, of resolving one of the biggest plot holes of the original Star Wars film, which is how easy <laughs> it is to destroy the thing. <laughs> yep. And, but yet, at the same time, it introduces yet another plot hole, because it's like, well, if you transmitted the plans to the ship that was in orbit, why didn't you just fire it off to wherever? You know, and so we didn't we didn't have to go through all this. So it was 
you know, didn't you guys have email a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? Well, we're talking <laughs> so, about intergalactic distance. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm teasing. It was, <laughs> um, it was, it's, it did exactly what it set out to do, which right. was to tell a little side story, which is the realm of expanded universe fiction and comic books and video games. That's what we do is take that plot thread and spin another story out of it. I, it, yeah. was, it was, it was fun. That- as uh, in the, I bet I've read a bunch of stuff yesterday after like when I just couldn't get back to work after hearing about Carrie, um, the the director he was they did re- go back and reference everything that they could, but he said that George Lucas was very, there was no like extra footage anywhere. George Lucas was very lean in filming, and he filmed what he wanted to get, and that's all he filmed. You know, oh we've got three takes, that's fine, let's go. Mm-hmm. That there was very little, like there was very little, salvage right. for him th- to work with. I think uh, it goes back to the mentality, you know, like we talk about that sort of thing with the original Star Trek. Everybody's like, "Well, how come they didn't keep the sets, and how come they didn't keep the props and the models and everything?" It's like, because nobody thought when the show was canceled that it would ever amount to anything mm. except a failed TV show, right? You know, and in seven in the early seventies, people were thinking the same way. This this was a Remember, Star Wars wasn't a sure thing when he filmed the first one. It was a very modest budget. The studio really didn't have a lot of faith in it, but they were intrigued because of Star Trek and some other things. It was like, okay, give this guy a shot and see what happens. Nobody knew what was going to happen with Star Wars. And so he probably was lean because he had no choice. Right. Um, And, you know, if he had to do over again, you know he'd have kept every every possible frame and he would have shot everything from multiple angles um, I mean, we know he had some footage because he was able to reinsert stuff like the Jabba scene in episode four. But, right. Um, yeah. I mean, even the stuff like when you see the X-Wing fighter pilots from the fourth, from the first movie, mm. you know, and, they're, they're, and I'm like, is that footage they lifted out of episode four or is that something that got left, you know, like an alternate take or something that never got used? So I don't know. Some of those X-Wing fighters, they pulled they pulled faces from the original film, yeah. digitally enhanced them and then put them into the cockpit. Because yeah, they wanted the like, continuity. Yeah, I know it was awesome. How? I mean, I I just if if, if ever I if ever I were to meet this man, I, I would kiss him straight on the mouth. Ooh, just yeah. as a like, <laughs> it's, it's so wonderful that that is the only re- and, and hug him until like his eyeballs popped out. It was so satisfying. I was just giddy coming out of the. It it is officially my favorite Star Wars film. I even love the fact that we find out why red five was an available call sign for luke yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely that, when he said that when he says this is red five i need help i'm like well we can write that guy off <laughs> you know what's well, about to happen to that guy the yeah. blue squadron the entire blue squadron just like failed and died on 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 oasis planet um death was there any homage to classic Battlestar galactica uh maybe i mean um, yeah. i I mean, why did I guess the entire so. Blue Squadron die on in Battlefield? Just mentioning, just calling him Blue Squadron. I don't know. I was just thinking oh. maybe. Mm. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if there were any overt uh, ties or you know overt overt salutes to Battlestar Galactica. I'm yeah. sure there were. Of course, now I have to go back and watch the movie again. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, All right. You twisted well, my arm. I'm good. So there was there was an article that I read today um, in Forbes called "The Five Biggest Problems with Star Wars Rogue One." <laughs> And I was curious if you guys wanted to kind of... Yes, because I have another article that does the same thing. So maybe it's the same one. So, well, is it from Forbes? I haven't read either one, so... so there you go. 
Well, like the first problem in this one, it says that yet another Death Star plot. Okay, but we knew that going in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't. It's you, about the Death Star. It, yeah, that 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 I, I hear the argument, and the the, <laughs> the argument comes on the heels of the Force Awakens, where we had yet another Death Star plot. Uh, and I can see the argument there, but in this movie, where uh, you know this is kind of the prequel to New Hope, it's uh, it's kind of contingent on the Death Star. I don't think you can tell the story without it. So I don't yeah. understand that complaint because we knew from the jump that it was going to be about the Death Star. Yeah, I mean that was the whole point of the story, right? That's like yeah. going to Burger King and complaining, "Oh, great, another burger." <laughs> yeah. well, Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, don't you you know what you were getting, burgers? dude? But I want a chicken. I want... Uh, well, Chick Fil A's down the road, sir. Yeah. Um, what? Well, what's the first thing on your article? My, well, this yeah. isn't the first thing, but one of the ones I, things I found most interesting is that the argument that the villains of Rogue One are are fairly toothless. Um, he calls them toothless villains. He said, uh, especially um, Orson uh, Krennic, while he's a very fashionable villain, um, and he's able to okay, track. He, he, he's like a bureaucrat right. with aspirations of power who has no real skills beyond his ability to track people down and look fabulous while doing so. I know, right? And I you thought that a girl can rock a cape. Hey, <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't really have teeth. You know, he doesn't really do. Uh, you know, and so I think that that was a complaint. I think part of it was they gave Tarkin, you know, the weapon, or you know, Tarkin took over the weapon. So it's like anything that the Krennic would have done, Tarkin ended up doing. And um, he got all whiny, like, "But I built the Death Star. Why are uh -huh. you taking it over?" And then when he yeah. went to go, you know, you know, Dad, I mean, Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> um, Target took my Death Star, and I've been working on it, and I have to take it into school tomorrow. So, Jay, so let's Tarkin, let's Tarkin. talk about that scene, though. His scene with Vader, though, is, is somewhat controversial. I mean, what do you think of that scene? Hold on. Let's dial it back a little bit. Was that not the best Darth Vader entrance ever? Come on. Oh, oh you mean when he goes to meet him? Just all of it, like yeah. where all you see is like the 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 cylinder with the liquid, and then the body bits, and then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. and then and then it's just dark, and then all this you see the shadow, and and then that voice, it was so good. Sorry, I'm I back. think the only the only problem with that that scene is is is, is did Vader make a pun? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know yeah, he did. Don't choke yeah. on your aspirations. Wink, wink, <laughs> nod, nod. Funny, funny. Look at me. You know, it was. Uh, that was, yeah. yeah, that was really the only the only weak point in that in that yeah. scene was if he should have just looked at him and given him that Vader look and then walked off without saying another word, he'd have been fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Vader look. I don't know the, the Vader uh, look, which is nothing. You know the Vader the Vader expression chart. To to be fair, and I think uh, <laughs> to be fair, I mean this is we probably Vader gets the most action uh, in this uh, in this uh, when he when he's trying to stop the rebels from carrying the plans off the ship and he's just like axing one rebel after another down yeah. um and it's probably probably the most you've seen him swing the lightsaber and kill you know in in his in his vader form i would say he did more at you know ass kicking in that in that movie than in any of the movies and this, like, he's yeah it's I'm it's sorry. like you you really feel like he can't like you really feel like the the, the rebels are gonna like almost not be able to get this plan off the ship, although you know how it ends. But you know, like that—that that is in genuine danger when he's around. 
that urgency because yeah. even even on the third viewing as they're downloading it onto the dish onto the disc and then they're trying to get through and then they're trying to open the door and every time i know the door's not going to open but i just keep thinking open the door open the door yeah. and then i keep thinking just hand him the damn disc why are you even talking to him? Don't pull the... Just give him the disc so he has more time than last time. And Vader's just mowing all these rebel troopers as he gets closer to the door. Yeah, he's mowing them down. He's throwing them up with force jokes. It's great. Oh, so good. Yeah, that was... I mean, anybody who's a fan of Vader had to be happy with, with that. I I thought it was awesome. The only I think It actually kind of undermines episode four a little bit because when you see him in episode four, he's more sedate. I mean, he doesn't really get he's to tired. do anything like that for the for the whole movie except for when he fights Kenobi and he's really that, tired he's, he's that's like the worst lightsaber fight ever well it is um, but to, <laughs> it, to so be dead. fair in, in Rogue One he doesn't do a lot of fancy saber work like they keep his he's saber just, work fairly sedated like his hack and yeah. slash and then it's forced he's jokes blocking and stuff. shots and stuff yeah I mean it was it was that advanced where it's just him one guy walking up the corridor and everybody freaking out and he's just throwing people aside with the force and he's blocking the shots with his lightsaber and he's cutting people down I, like yeah it was it was a kick-ass scene it was probably the best vader scene in all the movies i would like to see that whole scene but to the um saturday night fever soundtrack oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are this i was thinking someone this, has to do that well, for me or staying alive right i begged <laughs> someone to please do that for me that's funny. Staying alive. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But I mean, he's he's his portrayal it's here is a lot. I use my walk. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> I, I want that video now. Um, I, I had that but, mental image. Oh my! Dear internet, please make this happen. That scene is is very close in tone to what you see of him in stuff like the Rebels cartoon and some of the <clears> comics <throat> and other tales that were set, you know, before Episode Four, where he's basically being the Emperor's heavy going yeah. out there and kicking ass and taking names. I mean, it's, it's, it's more in tone with that. So, so yeah, it was, but yeah, it was that whole last 15 minutes of the movie was just insanely intense and fun. Mm-hmm. And I knew Vader was in it. Even I though knew- you know how it's going to end. You're like, is this kicking ass? <laughs> I knew he would be in this film, but the minute James Earl Jones's voice came across, it was like a gift. It just, I was like, Oh my God, it's really him. This is so cool. <laughs> And again, I saw it in a theater full of norms, and it just like my my jocularity was wasted on these <laughs> Brooks Brothers suited, oh, beer God, Bradley yeah. bag toting people. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm lucky. Everybody it, in the theater I went was a was a was a fan, so we were all on it. Am <laughs> there was no Padme moments in this movie? <gasps> Not a single Padme moment. You're right. There was there was definitely that that you saw something developing. But not. Oh yes. Well, yes. Thank you, Miles. Yep. I, I use that as part of my critique of of things. Is the is there a Padme moment? Yeah. And then that that you lose points if it does. Oh, that makes me feel so good. <laughs> Anakin, you're breaking my heart. I. <laughs> Why does it hurt so much? <laughs> because the Hobbit's been bastardized, woman. That's why it hurts. So much. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. This is no longer a PG show. Apparently not. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I screwed that up for you guys early on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's, what else is on your article? Uh, okay. Hold on. So, um, 
so CGI Tarkin, which we already discussed. Yeah, we already discussed that. Um, oh, there's far too much going on. You know, I saw that. I saw that there too. In in I, you know, I think part of this goes back to something that I think Dayton pointed out earlier on that you feel like you don't really get to know the characters real deeply. You know, just a little bit about them, and that's about it. Um, and I, I noticed that in A New Hope, where you're kind of focused on just really a handful of characters, and here. There are a ton. I mean, you have one main character that you kind of follow, but the rest are all kind of supplemental characters you don't find too much about. And some of it is because there is there's a, there's a heck of a lot of characters in this movie. But yeah, I mean, there's there's a larger cast, but I mean, I I don't know that I could name half of them. Right. Uh, and I don't know anything about more than two or three. Like, all right, I know there's the blind guy who thinks he's a Jedi, and then there's his partner with the gun. Yeah, you know, which and they were actually two very interesting characters, and I would love to see stories about those two characters. Um, you know, and I can't, but I for the life of me can't remember the the name right. uh, of the guy with the gun. Uh, you know, I know that I know the I know that the blind guy was named Chirut or Chirut or however you say it, but mm-hmm. um, I cannot tell you his friend's name. Um, it took me three tries to remember the droid's name, even though he had the best lines in the movie. Um, you know, st- little stuff like that. It was like, yeah, you don't really get to know the characters. You don't really get a chance to know the characters. They don't give you any time to really breathe uh, between the big action pieces, uh, which is why I said, you know, it kind of harkens back to those old war movies, you know, where they've got a top secret mission and the clock is ticking. Uh, you don't really have time to, to get a chance to really get into the characters' heads. It's all about the mission or the plot. But I guess in a movie where all the characters, you know, for all intents and purposes, die yeah. in the end... Do we, we, we don't really, what we really care about is how this, we, we need to care enough so that when they die, we're kind of a little bit sad, but not enough that we really want to see them in another movie. <laughs> well, as it happens, there's a sequel coming. Uh, May 25th, 1977 is the release date. Right, right, right. Well, um, then, but none so. of the characters that we care about in this movie are going to be yeah. there, so. Yeah, and I think we, I don't know that anybody ever came out and actually said that, but I think anybody who's steeped in the lore knows that there were, there was very small chance anybody was going to make it out of this. So, uh, so Dayton, you so said yeah, this. But still, you said this movie reminded you of some of the World War II epics. It was uh, that it was a plot. They were more plot driven than, than so much character driven. It was, you know, it's very it's very reminiscent of movies like The Guns of Navarone, where you know they send in a small group of people behind enemy lines to do something critical to the Allied victory. You know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen The Guns of Navarone or The Dirty Dozen or I'm familiar with the Dirty films Dozen. like that. Okay. You know, Bridge Too Far, places, things like that where it's it all hinges on a small group of determined individuals uh, to to get to, to, to basically put a chink in the enemy's armor uh, so that the, the, the main force can win. Uh, it's it's very much in that vein. And I, I don't mean that in, as an insult. I mean, I love those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, for me, this worked. I mean, I mean, I knew going in it was going to be a very stripped down, streamlined film. In terms of plot, you know, basically get the Death Star plans, and we all and we all know how it ends. So, uh, it's not the destination, you know, it's the journey this time around. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So it would have been nice to get to know a little bit more about the characters, but ultimately, yeah. I think it uh, it did what it was supposed to do. Are you saying something, M? No, you know no. Did she, I... did she drop? Did no, she she, drop? no, she's she's there. We just can't hear her mic. She's giving me the finger. Great. Thanks a lot, Em. <laughs> I've done well, I mean, nothing I to you. I just, the... I, I didn't even mute you this time. 
on my phone she's, that's she's perfectly frozen, so yeah, I can't yeah. see what she's doing. Do you want me to hand you a can with a string and we can talk <laughs> that way? <laughs> she can obviously hear us, though. <laughs> I got a double uh, finger from that one. So. Double finger. Okay, yeah, that's all right. Double um, love. Um, how do we get you connected again? All right. By the way, you were talking about the Dirty Dozen. The article about one of the one of its points was that this story is an uninspiring rebellion. And Hello. Met, hey, there you are. You're back. Now Still you fixing, muted yourself. Yeah, fixing no. Something went wrong with my Yeti. Hold on. All right. Can you hear me now? I can. Yeah. Okay. That's beautiful. I'm sitting here like, it's Baze Malbus. His name is Baze Malbus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we, and we, of course, are just ignoring you, right? Yep. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yep. You're welcome. Typical dudes not listening <laughs> to the only woman with a point in the room. That's not fair. Thank you for, you know, it's it's all right. It's only been happening for the last 300 years. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I know what you're yelling. You're like, you're like, they're mansplaining, and I'm not even in the room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my. Exactly. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> We're sorry. Um, but I, I, I thought that Chirrut and Bays, are they from the comic books or from Rebels? Um, are they new? No, I think. Uh, let me. I had the article up here. Um, I think they're new for the film. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put my camera back on because uh, I just yeah, realized was... that my Leia pop, her hair looks like brown butt. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the episode right here. That's the name of the show. Right there. Yeah. My, hair looks like... my hair looks like brown butt? <laughs> That's the I'm name sorry, of the episode. I <laughs> IMD would probably, if they were part of Star Wars Rebels or... They would have made the connection. Yeah, there's nothing on... I mean, there's, there's nothing on... Chirrut's character. There's a little something on, on Baze Malbus's character. I, they, they I really love that... Go, go ahead. Oh, no. I, I just... I love that Donnie Yen, the guy who played Chirrut, um, it was his idea to make him blind. That he thought it was an interesting role and it was kind of, you know, like, all right, but with the skills that he has and the having the, having the force within him... Um, it would. It was. He said it would be really interesting if the character was blind, and they said, "Okay, <laughs> done." Love Here's some you... contact lenses. But you know, that's kind of a. That's kind of a. Um, I don't want to say it's a. It's 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 sort of a tip to the Rebels show because one of the characters in the Rebels cartoon uh, is blinded. Is I don't know if it's a temporary or permanent because I haven't watched everything <clears throat> up to date, but at least at the end of the second season and into the third season, he's blinded after a lightsaber fight. And he's been having to refocus his connection with the Force so that he can make up for his loss of sight. Um, but it's not the same character. It's not meant to be the same character. It just, I just, it was interesting because right. I've, I've just been, I've been catching up with the cartoons with my daughter. And today was the where we got to the point where he got blind, and I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> so I'm like, what's that about? Is, so, is that in the current season of Rebels? He was blinded at the end of season two, which ended last year well before rogue one came out or you know early either early 2016 or um late 2015 i don't remember when it ended but it was well before we had any inkling about what rogue one was about um so and and then the the third season started in november and so we're only a couple episodes into the third season that's all dvr or whatever and i just i picked up on it today i'm like hey they blinded that dude that's familiar 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's it's cool because you know it just shows that you know that this is not a, a a quirky thing for one character. I mean, it's possible to use the force to compensate for a loss of another sense. Right. Uh, and I guess so I thought it was cool. And I guess the question is: Is he? Do we consider him a Jedi? I think they said straight out he wasn't a Jedi. Um, his partner, Baze, Baze, how do you say it, Mem? Baze well, Malvis. Yeah, Baze Malvis said he was not a Jedi uh, when we first meet him. I forget what he ended that sentence with, though, but it was he basically said, you know, there are no Jedi. He's not a Jedi. He just, I don't remember what he said. He's a, he's a believer or, you know, a freak or something. So. Well, yeah, it, it, but but I guess the other thing is, is that being said, who's found that? Oh, that's mine. I mean, I, I guess we can imply or infer that he is force sensitive, right? You know, but just never, never acquired the formal training to become a Jedi because at this point in the continuity, they don't exist, right? In theory, yeah, so. in, in theory. I mean, we don't know. We aren't really. We're kind of left hanging. We don't really know how many Jedi have escaped. Yeah, we're never really given a number. We know if you watch Rebels that there were several that escaped, but um, I, that it actually leads into one of those other little nods to. The larger storyline that when um, Senator Organa says, you know, I got to call my guy, you know, he's been in hiding since the, the purge. Um, mm. So we know we know he means Kenobi, even though they never say it. Right. So I thought that I was, was cool. I was a little bit hoping for a little, little you know, Guinness. Well, <laughs> little Guinness. Little Guinness or, you know, a nice little aged up Ewan McGregor. Yeah, he's about, yeah, I think he could pull it off now. Yeah, I'm sure. There's been, uh, I know there's been talks. We'll see if that ever happens. But, but yeah. Well, uh, anything else to chat about regarding this movie? I'm going to go see it again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm pro- I, pro- I, might, I might splurge for the 3D showing now. Now that I've seen it and I can... I did splurge. Because I want to see... I mean, we... we Scott and I saw Doctor Strange in, in 3D IMAX and seeing the trailer in 3D IMAX, like, yeah, I'm going to spend the extra five bucks and see it. And that. <laughs> Just so, uh, it, and, and I was not disappointed. It was, it looked, it looked, it looked fantastic. I have well, not. My s- one kid, my, uh, my oldest daughter wants to go see it again before we, because they're on Christmas break right now from school. So she's like, can we see it before we go back to school? I'm like, well, of course we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, you just twisted my arm. Sorry. It's the proudest yeah, father really. moment ever, yeah. isn't it? I know, right? Do the dishes and my, we'll go. You know, but, you know, just to keep things balanced, my younger daughter, she fell asleep during the film. So. Aw. Uh, she? <laughs> she's eight. She's right. like, yeah, it's all right. You know, then she wakes up, she goes, is it over? I'm like, oh. Okay, you're, you, you must be adopted. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Peyton. That's terrible. To her credit, I think she had a sleepover the night before. So, you know, a sleepover, he quotes with her friends the night before. Extenuating circumstances. Yeah. You don't sleep during a sleepover. One more thing here. It said that it's missing that special something that makes Star Wars what what it is. And the guy writes... I hear a lot of people saying it's the best Star Wars film since the original trilogy. I'd say it's the second best after The Force Awakens, largely because it doesn't Ugh. capture what I think makes the franchise great and worthwhile. Um, it's because dar- it's too dark. And the darkness, uh, but it isn't the darkness only that makes it less of a Star Wars film. Um, but it was, uh, it just, it just, it just wasn't, an, it just wasn't enough to really feel like a Star Wars film. The darkness of it. Well, you know, Kiefer made that comment. You know, he said this was the saddest Star Wars film he's ever watched. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think that goes with the territory. I mean, 
okay, I know um, you don't ascribe to there being such a thing as prequels, but even at the end of the Revenge of the Sith, when you see the the final culmination of you know Anakin's you know fall from grace into becoming Vader, there's a sense of a lot of tragedy that happens at the end of that. And these movies, yeah. like, so this isn't the first time Star Wars necessarily headed down that path. Um, I'm gonna say, dark, Episode Three is a pretty dark flick, man. Oh, it, it is. <laughs> yeah, it I don't, is. Um, and, and 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 you know, to me, Episode Three, the last those those last ten minutes, kind of felt rushed to me. Like they were trying to jam in all the continuity checkpoints, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas no. this, this. Yeah. This had a mission to fill out a piece of the mythology yeah. and took its time. I mean, I mean, the, if there's a criticism of the movie, it's the first hour is a little slow for mm. Rogue One, and yeah. but the second hour just is insane. <clears throat> it's like watching Mad Max. Right. Um, yes. And and I you know, but it was once it got going. I'm and I'm not saying the first hour is boring. I'm just saying it's a little slower. Right. Um, but I mean, I think that was intentional. It's like you know, we're we're tightening the screws a little bit, and then right. we're gonna we're gonna get you to the top of the roller coaster and then let it fly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as far as it being not a Star Wars movie, no. Yeah. I mean, you can't have a film with the word war in the title and everything be hunky dory every time. Right. <laughs> it's true. Um, just, I, you know yeah. what? Uh, one of the uh, <laughs> before we get on from Revenge of the Sith, I think. Um, I've gone back, and one of my favorite novelizations of the Star Wars franchise has been has been Revenge of the Sith, and the novelization I forget a Stackpole, I think mm-hmm. wrote it. Um, and he just does an incredible job of fleshing out the characters and making you feel um, the devastation that that Anakin goes for, and he conveys it's much better than the movie ever did. And <gasps> oh my ba- God, Debbie Reynolds died. Did she really? Are you kidding me? Wow. Wow. They just reported it, like, in the last 30 minutes. That's bad. Wow. I just saw it on Facebook. I'm so sorry. No, it's all I bad. wonder if she was stressed out by everything with Carrie Fisher. I mean, probably that could not have been. 2016, wow. a bitch. She was 84. Oh, my God, that poor girl. That poor family. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, that'd be devastating for the family. I need a minute. No, that's all right. Wow. You've got to be. Oh my god, you've got to be kidding me. I've seen almost everything Debbie Reynolds has been in. I love that woman. She was always the cheekiest and the funniest, and I loved it when she would show up on just like some random show. I cannot believe she died. Like, they just announced it 30 minutes ago. Yeah, that's insane. Are you friggin' kidding me? She suffered a stroke in her son's home. Yeah. She just said, like, yesterday, or two days, Monday, she put out a press release. Like, uh, are you... I mean, so she dies the day after? I mean, Carrie... God, man. Carrie died yesterday. Debbie Reynolds, who rose in the stardom and singing in the rain, which I used to know every word to. I love that musical. Quickly became a staple among Hollywood royalty, died Wednesday as a result of a stroke. Just one day after her daughter, Carrie Fisher, died, according to her son, Todd. Debbie was rushed to the hospital shortly after 1 p.m. when someone at Beverly Hills home of her son called 911 and reported a possible stroke. 
We're told Debbie and Todd were making funeral plans for Carrie, who died on Tuesday of cardiac arrest. Oh. Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, when you th- when you think of her, you think of films like Singing in the Rain and How the West Was Won. And, uh, uh, my the unsinkable is, Molly Brown. Molly Brown is probably my favorite Debbie Reynolds movie. But I think the favorite <clears throat> role that she ever did. Did you all ever watch Will and Grace, the, co- the sitcom? Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yes. She was Grace's mom. <laughs> That's that. right. I forgot that. And she owned that role, man. Yeah. They should have just. They should have found a way to bring her in as a regular or a semi-regular because she just was amazing. It's like Carol Burnett playing Helen Hunt's mom on Mad About You. Yes. It was a thousand times. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. You know. So. Well, maybe it's a good place to she, just kind of wrap up the show. <laughs> yeah. I. Oh my god. So. Just. And her, the 2016 can stop this now. This is really starting. Really yeah. Um, yep. The last, the last part of the statement that her son makes is she's with Carrie. That's yeah. true. That is true. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh my god. I was. We were talking about my mom and I were talking about this last night, and I said someone in the afterlife is throwing the most amazing party, and because the headliners that we've lost this year. We're just gonna rock it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just between Gene Wilder and 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 David Bowie and 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 Glenn Fry and it just and uh, oddly for me, Jaja Gabor, I grew up adoring her and her sister. Just that, she, just uh, and George Michael, like there's my high school life right there, yeah. and college George Michael, and then to have one of the most significant people in history in my life as a kid Carrie Fisher and now growing up on on musicals and stuff and now her mom uh, I just made that all about me which it's not all about it's just it's it's just a really screwed up year I'm so ready for 2017 anyway listeners all right well thank you for joining us on our uh, Rogue One review and our remembrances of people that have passed as well um, we do need to talk, Dayton, before you go, what's in your doc? I mean, you're an author, you're writing full-time. What's going on? Oh, man, I'm, I don't want to be here all night. Cause well, we do, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm busy. They, they keep me busy. I'm, uh, I just, in fact, I just got my contributor copies today for uh, a short story anthology based on Planet of the Apes that is coming out next month that has a short story of mine. Yeah, Miles was telling me about Um, that one. What's the name of that anthology? It's called Tales from the Forbidden Zone. And for anybody in the audience who is an ape freak, um, it's all stories set, all new stories set in the continuity of the classic films and the follow-on television shows. That's right. So so no Tim Burton, Planet of the Apes, and no, uh, none of the newer films, the, the new continuity, so... Yeah. Um, well, you, you've always you've always been a fan of Planet of the oh, Apes. Oh, yeah, I'm a huge nerd for Planet of the Apes, particularly yeah. the old stuff, because yeah. I grew up watching those the same way I grew up watching Star Trek. Um, I have another Star Trek Next Generation novel coming out a week later in January. Um, cool. Called Headlong Flight. That's uh, an Enterprise ebook. Um, I'm doing another travel guide for Inside Editions, another Star Trek travel guide book. Uh, last year I did one uh, for Vulcan. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at that or not. I will check that um, out. But it was definitely an inside the it was inside the box, tongue in cheek travel guide to the planet Vulcan. 
So, <laughs> so just like is this like oh the, my God, is this was, like a hitchhiker's guide to Vulcan? It's it's it's, it's like a, a if you went to the bookstore because you were going on vacation and you wanted to pick up a Lonely Planet or a Frommer's Guide to Japan or Hawaii or wherever you're going on vacation. So it's got all the best places <clears> to eat, <throat> stay, you know, uh, points of interest, and, uh, customs and uh, cultural quirks and things like that. And then, but I stay completely inside the box and in character when I'm writing the book. Uh, not, so I did that last year, and they wanted me to do another one. So this year's edition is for the Klingon Empire. Awesome. So, so when you're when you're backpacking through the Empire this summer, please take my travel guide. <laughs> um, wait, nice. I need to order. Hold on. <laughs> what the Vulcan one? What the Vulcan one? There you go. The Planet of the Apes book is available on pre-order. Yeah, it's yeah. It'll be out on January 24th from Titan Books. Um, Good. And it'll be an ebook format for those of you who do not do physical books anymore. So, awesome. yeah, so I'm busy. Yeah. They're keeping me busy. Good, good. And uh, people can find and keep up with all, all your antics. Where can they go? Uh, Datingward.com is my portal to internet banality. All right. All it right. has my it has links to my blog and my Facebook page and my Twitter account and the rest of my social media platform. Right. As the as my publisher likes to call it. So. <laughs> Well, Dayton, we are incredibly grateful that you sat down and talked Star Wars with us tonight. Thank you. I, I, I did. I, I went against the home team and came over to the other side to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> now I have to go back to the Star Trek realm. Yeah. Well, I, I know. I know that in this world, you you are fans of both universes. So I am. So. I think it's awesome. It all the stars, Wars, Trek, and mm-hmm. Gate are they're all very important. And if you notice, Babylon Five doesn't have the word "star" in it, so it sucks. <laughs> Take that, Jim Arrowwood. Take that, Jim Arrowwood. It's, it's funny because my kids like my oldest daughter in particular likes Star Wars. Um, she can sit down and watch Star Wars with me, and then and but now she's coming down and wanting to watch Star Trek with me too. So oh yay, she's like, Dad! In fact, the other night because I got that Roddenberry Vault uh, Blu-ray set for as a Christmas present, right? So she went and she just happened to want come down that night and says, you know, I really want to watch the Star Trek episode where he fights the Gorn. I'm like, I can do that because <laughs> it's right. It's right here on this brand new Blu-ray set that I just cracked the cellophane on. <laughs> so let's sit down and see what there is. So, That's yeah, awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm slowly weaning her over. She likes the new movies, the new JJ verse movies. Um, I like those. We saw beyond four times in the theater. Wow. Nice. Me and the girls. So I'm like, yeah, Dad, let's just, Dad, can we go see the new Star Trek movie again? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm having this vision of you and some guys like at a bar, and my ah, right. son is well, it's, that like one guy's going off about his son being on the JV basketball team, and another one, well, my son, da, da, da. oh yeah, well, my girls watch Star Trek and but, Star Wars, it, and they yeah. ask me to watch. Like, but they're also they're also both second degree black belts in Taekwondo, so you know I get both sides of that coin. That's right. true. So, you do. And they're on you the do. swim team, and they're yeah. They want to do. Uh, my oldest wants to play volleyball, so you know, they're gonna get all that sports versus nerdity stuff going. I know, but I love that the you know, like just, I I love hearing when girls are like, Dad, can I? I, I enjoy hearing. It, it just it it makes it. It's not that it's new that mm-hmm. women and girls are into it. It's just it's so people are so much more aware. So it makes me happy. It's Having grown up to, at a time where you had to do it, like you had to like sci-fi it in a closet. If I have um, having being a father of daughters and being in this world, it's been a tremendous help to me to broaden my perspective on a number of issues that touch on fandom. And mm. having my daughters with me when I go to a convention or I go to a book signing 
or I do something related to like go to a movie premiere because we, you know, whatever um, we're, we're being asked to participate in the, in the programming or something and seeing all the kids that are coming up and all the girls that are coming up and basically doing what is traditionally boy stuff. I know that, you know, I say that in while I roll my eyes cause you know, people are fans of whatever the heck they want to be fans of. It doesn't matter what your gender is. Um, but having daughters and being a father of daughters and trying to raise them to look at that on their own terms instead of just accepting, you know, what's told them is good for me. It helps me broaden my perspective and my horizons. Uh, they're fun though. They, 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 they like going to the conventions. They like dressing up in costumes. They like doing all the stuff. They're going to be, I really feel sorry for the first boy who crosses them. <laughs> <laughs> not really, but you know, really not yet. I really feel sorry, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully you'll get to meet him at shore leave or something. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on date. We really appreciate you having you on. No, thanks for having me. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, it has been. It's been good to have you back on chatting. And, uh, I believe that's about it. We should, uh, wrap up the show and we'll, uh, record again in a few weeks. All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Do your dailies. Think that he would, you would think he would have used Hangouts before. I mean, we're not the only podcast who uses Hangouts, are we? No. You're just being an old man. Shall I tell him that? M says you're being an old man. <laughs> tell him we'll get him a soup can and a string in just a moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. Hey, I may be sad, but I still. <laughs> point, yo. I'm gonna tell him that. Evan said we can get you soup can and straight. Told. Okay. Hello. Hey, Hello. hey, whoa, hey, how you doing? Only Google requires an app for my phone to let me talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, relax, you, old man. Are you using a rotary or is this your flip phone? I'm using my smartphone because apparently regular phones don't work in the 21st century anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, I used to work for the government, so I know useless redundancy when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, how you doing, Dayton? Okay. After I had to reinstall the stupid app, I'm good now. Oh, good, good. Uh, we were. <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at it in my hand. I'm like, why am I waiting for the app to install on my phone when I can just dial a number and talk to somebody on my phone? <laughs> oh yeah. Very true. Very true. So what's up? All right. So we're gonna talk Rogue One. Crappy movie. Next. It's no. Terrible. Terrible movie. Kidding, Let's kidding. talk about your book instead. Go ahead. <laughs>
Okay, cool. Yeah. There's the big <clears throat> the big controversy about R2 and um, C3PO and where they were and that has oh, actually been yeah. a very big topic. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I can't I can't wait for us to discuss that. I'm really looking forward to I mean they they obviously end up end up in Tanti for how did they get there? Well, I mean, it was, it was like, it cooked me. Save it for the show, second. people. Yeah. All right, all right. All right, let's get, let, Be let's... quiet, old lady. <laughs> you just watch it, son. Get off my lawn. <laughs> when I was your age, Jabba the Hutt was a human. <laughs> when I was your age, Jabba the Hutt wasn't even in that movie. <laughs> oh. Oh. I used to date the Sarlacc. <laughs> no one. <laughs> There's just too many, too many jokes hitting me simultaneously. Like, like I don't know which one to go with. <laughs> <laughs>